The reason we're studying this to begin with is that, for the most part, people get this topic very, very wrong. And what ends up happening is even Christians, even Christians that read the Bible and are born again, devout believers in, in Jesus, when it comes to the subject of angels, they gather more information from Hollywood and from traditions and fables and myths and things of that nature than the actual word of God. And when you study the actual word of God uh, as it pertains to angels, you get a really different picture of what most of us have been um, exposed to. So I, I'm really, for the sake of time, I can't go into a lot of review from last week. I'm gonna jump into the material that we have for part two. I'm gonna start off with this statement here. Um, when we learn what the Word of God says about this topic of angels, you're going to need to separate then what you thought you knew about the subject and go with what the Word says. Because you can open yourself up, you can open your soul up to dangerous influence if you once having known the truth about what the Word says about angels and you, you cling to your superstitions or cling to uh, information that was just tradition and not actual accurate word, that sends a red flag to the enemy. That tells the enemy that you're open to deception, that you're open to clinging to something that's not biblically accurate. And I personally have seen people really go off the deep end because it's like you open up the door for the enemy to come into your life. Similarly, I, I did, this is a, a touchy subject, but I, I think I need to, to address this. Be very, very aware and be very, very careful when you lose a loved one that you don't start entertaining these things that that loved one is speaking to you. There, believe me, from the background that I come from, the superstition the, is just rampant. You know, a person has a dream about somebody and then everybody in the family has to go do whatever that task is. You don't do that. You're opening yourself up to the enemy to come, okay? Trust me. Uh, I've had people say, no, you don't understand. My grandmother appeared in the room. No, no. Something appeared in your room. It was not your grandmother. It was something that imitated your grandmother, okay? And I've had some of these things happen to me personally as a young man. I don't want to go into it tonight because that's not the topic. Maybe we'll talk about that in the future. But stop, stop with this thing. Well, a red cardinal showed up in my garden. That's not your lost loved one. It's just a bird. I'm sorry to, to do that, but too many people are entertaining stuff that is getting, it's affecting their minds. And the enemy is looking for people just like he looked for Eve. The enemy is looking for people to deceive and to get them to swallow lies. And especially in this thing when it comes to angels. People have opened themselves up to demonic deception by acting on false beliefs. So the term angel simply means a messenger or an ambassador. Angels have been created by God to be his messengers, to represent the kingdom of God, but not in the same way that we represent the kingdom of God. Okay, we have authority over angels. They have authority. They have some authority in the realm of the spirit, but we have authority over them. So that puts us in a higher ranking in the hierarchy of God's creation. Are you getting this? Okay, most people, especially if you came from the background that I came from, religious background that I came from, they think that it's God, saints, angels, and then people. 
First of all, the saint, as far as the saint category, that's us. There is no such thing as a saint and then a human being. No, saints are human beings, okay? Um, and, and the quicker we learn that. So in the hierarchy of the kingdom of God, the more accurate way to look at things is it's God, us, angels. Now, there are other living creatures there in heaven, and we don't really have enough information to talk about them. Um, some people put them in the realm of the angelic um, beings, but it seems like, even if you, especially if you read the book of Ezekiel, it seems like there's some living creatures that are around the throne. It talks about it again in the book of Revelation. We really don't get a lot of detail. We don't know if they're actually a, a species of angels or if there's a whole other species of being that God created. Uh, in other words, the Bible gives us the information we need now. Amen. When we get to heaven, we can ask all these other questions. Don't, con don't get yourself obsessed with these things. I've seen that happen. Amen? So angels are neither human nor deity. They are separate. And again, we talked about this last week. When a person dies, they do not become angels. Stop saying that stuff. We go to funerals sometimes and we say stupid things because we don't know what to say. Well, God needed another angel. If God needed another angel, he could have made a million of them if he wanted to. <laughs> I had a relative passed away. They said, well, God needed a construction worker in heaven. For what? He makes everything himself. <laughs> but you see, we, we get there. You know what I'm saying? We get flustered. We don't know what to say. Um, and so we say things that, and, but, but you see, it was different when you weren't a Christian and you said something inaccurate. Nobody paid attention to you. But when you're a Christian Amen. and you're talking about how you're living by the word of God, when you endorse something, a lost person will think that you <laughs> believe that stuff. So be very aware, be very careful. When I say careful, I don't mean worried, but be very, very particular about the wording that you use and when you endorse something that you're not sure of. So angels are neither human nor deity. Deity bears the quality of being eternal. Eternal means it has, has no beginning and no end. That's not true with an angel. An angel has a beginning. Now, now they have everlasting life, just like you and I do, Okay, our life is going to extend into eternity. Right. Once we're born again, well, no matter what, whether born again or not, you live forever. Amen. Okay? That's, that's another thing that people entertain. Think, well, if I, if I don't receive Jesus, I, when I die, I'll just disappear. No, no, you should be that lucky. <laughs> you don't disappear. You live forever somewhere. That's right. The born again experience is what determines the location, where you're going to spend eternity. Uh, we should have got a bigger amen than that. Yeah. All right. So they have a beginning. Angels were created beings. They, did not, they are not in the category of God. Now, they live in the same realm that God does, but they're not in the same category. Uh, You've got to see them differently. Okay, stop, stop seeing them as like extensions of God. See them as servants that God created, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit that God created these servants, these beings, these ministering spirits are here to serve us. Thank you, Peggy. They're here to serve us. Yet so many people worship. You don't worship. If you had a cleaning woman come into your house, do you worship the cleaning woman? You're polite. You're, you're, you're uh, nice to them. You're thankful. You're grateful. But you don't work, why? They work for you. They're your servants. They're, they're there. They're there. Their job, the reason you pay them 
is to do a service for you. Amen? Amen. So start seeing angels in that same category, all right? So they do not have flesh and bones like humans. Now, can they appear in a human form? Yes, but they do not have a distinct body. And they are identified in the Word of God as spirits. Amen? Amen. So, again, the reason that we're studying this topic is because God wants us to know that we're not alone. Okay? Now, be careful with that one, too. Because there's a lot of foolishness that's coming out in the news about us not being alone. Remember that the enemy always counterfeits everything that God does. Okay? I'm going to say this. I don't want to discuss it, but I have to say it. UFOs are not angels. Amen. Angels are not UFOs. Amen. Okay? And you're hearing a lot about this foolishness, a lot about why. Because we are in the age of unprecedented deception. Amen. Not enough of you are, are getting this. We are living in an age in the history of man on this planet of unprecedented deception. Okay? You better learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. So, now, in addition to his Holy Spirit living in us, he has created these beings to protect, to preserve, to provide, and to guide his people. Okay, again, let me give this warning. We're not studying the subject of angels so we can all go out and start worshiping them, speaking to them, or overly depending on them. Stop that. Your dependence as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is to be on the Holy Spirit. If God, as an act of his will, decides to to send an angel to you besides the one that already is assigned to you, okay, because we we do have angels assigned to us, okay? Um, Tina, wasn't it last Wednesday night when I talked about angels being present here? On the left? I wish he would have been on the right. So God allowed you to see. And um, if he's there, welcome. Can use all the help I can get. But we don't, for me to spend the rest of the service paying attention to an angel would be completely out of order. Amen? Amen? If they're here on assignment to us, then they're here to either bring a message or to bring an anointing or to uh, guard us and protect us against any ungodly influence here. They're here to serve us. They are our servants. Can you say that, please? They are our servants. Good. So, we're not to seek guidance from angels. We are not to seek guidance from angels. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you, he will lead you, he'll teach you all things, and he'll lead you and guide you into all truth. You getting this? Okay. So, as a born-again believer, our prime source of guidance is the Holy Spirit. Okay, listen to Romans chapter 8, verse 14. And I think we spoke about this last week, and, or maybe, maybe over the weekend. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Many have been led astray by overemphasis of angels. We study to honor the Lord who has given us his word for us to know things accurately. Now, can, I, can we stay with that? For, go back to Romans 8.14. Now, 
Now, if you weren't here over the weekend, I talked about this extensively on Pentecost Sunday, on Pentecost weekend. Uh, Paul writes to the church at Rome, and he says, here's the identifying mark of a true believer, okay? Uh, in fact, uh, I'll read it to you more of a paraphrase of what it sounds like in the original language. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the true, mature, seasoned, grown-up sons and daughters of God. Okay? There's a difference. Because when you and I first got born again, we did not qualify for that identification. Why? We're babies in Christ. When you're first born again, you don't automatically mature overnight. It's a progression. Your spirit is made perfect in the sight of God, but your soul has got to grow. Your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. You begin to mature. As the word of God becomes more and more part of who you are, you will start to mature. And so it's telling us here, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the true, mature, seasoned, grown-up children of God. Why is it making a distinction? Because not everybody is led by the spirit of God especially when you first get born again. When you first get born again, uh, you, you want to depend on feelings. Feelings. Well, I went to that church service, and I had goosebumps all over me. It was just tingly. So now the first time you come to church and you don't get any goosebumps, you start thinking, oh, my God, what happened? Oh, my God, what happened? Oh, my God, what happened? Doesn't God love me anymore? Maybe I lost my salvation. No, you have to get beyond feelings. So the true mature sons of God are going to be the ones that are not being led by angels or feelings or emotions or voices that contradict the word of God. Amen? Amen. Now, you can't go rob a bank and you say, well, the Holy Ghost told me to do it. No, no, no. No, that was you. That was you. So let's talk about the origin of angels. Psalm 148, starting in verse 1. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him from the heights above, in the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. As a little, did you pick that up right then there? Praise him, all you angels. Praise him, all you heavenly hosts. I'm not saying that it's 100%, but this seems to indicate that there might be other creatures besides angels in heaven. Okay? Uh, Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and read it with me, and they were created. Okay? Angels did not just come about. God created them. Now, angels were created first among the, among the created beings. And later, while the earth was being created, they stood back and admired God's beauty, his orderliness, his power. And since one of the tasks of angels is to give glory to God, they sang and shouted during creation. They watched God create this planet. They watched God bring the universe into being. And you know, you, you know, even with our limited abilities and technology, we can see how beautiful the universe is. There's parts of this universe that have wonderful colors and beautiful. It's just God showing off. And the angels stood by. They were there when he did this. And they stood by and they watched all this creativity. And it says that they sang and they shouted. Amen. Colossians, God bless you. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. I'm going to read to you from the Amplified Version. For it was in him, talking about Christ, that all things were created in heaven, on earth, and things seen and things unseen. Things seen and things unseen. Now, angels 
dwell and reside in the, in the uh, realm of the unseen. Now, when you do have the opportunity to see into that spirit realm, uh, that God lets you do that, that is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's the gift of discerning of spirits. Now, uh, watch this now, because many of us, many of us may have had people who have said, well, you know, I, I saw a demon, I saw a demon on this person, I saw a demon over here, I saw a demon over there, I saw a demon under the bed, demon in the closet, demon in the oven. Demon. If, if a person, listen, listen, I'm, I'm making light of it, but listen to me, here's the, here's the actual rock solid truth. If a person is operating in the gifts of the discerning of spirits, they're not just going to see demons. They're also going to see into the realm of the angelic. You listening? Okay. So, and don't ask for that stuff. Don't pray for it. Don't ask for it. If God decides to do that for you, praise God. Don't go looking for it. Because, you know, God our Father is not the only one who hears us praying. I remember one time I was by myself. I was actually getting ready to go to church. Not here. This is before I was pastoring. And uh, I'm, I'm praying and I'm talking out loud and I'm just about to say something and I hear on the inside, don't say that because I'm not the only one who's listening. I was like, I was in the shower. I'm like, <laughs> loud as, as clear as a bell. Do not say that. I am not the only one who's listening. I was like, you know, just tell me twice. Okay? All right, so Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, for it was in him, in Christ, that all things were created, in heaven and on earth, things seen and things unseen, whether, now here's some of these words that throw us sometimes because we're not really familiar with what they mean. Whether thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities, all things were created and exist through him by his service and intervention and in and for him. Thrones, dominions, rulers, and authorities are rankings of angels. Okay, they're different, different classes of angels. Now, most of the time when we see in the New Testament that it talks about principalities, powers, mights, dominions, it's talking about the realm of the kingdom of darkness. These spirits that have been invited by people uh, into their lives, or spirits that have been invited to um, rule and reign in specific geographical areas, and that can get really sticky here. I don't really want to go much into that. But we know in the Old Testament, especially it talks about, the book of Daniel talks about the prince of Greece, it talks about the prince of Persia, okay? Um, in the book of Isaiah, in the book of Ezekiel, it talks about the prince of Tyre, or the king of Tyre. That's not talking about a human being. It's talking about the spirit that had um, uh, influence over a particular area. Okay, are you, are you getting this? Yes. All right, don't go too crazy with this because it really doesn't matter. We've got to get people saved and we've got to wait for Jesus to come back. That's, what, that's what's important. But I'm telling you this is that when you read these things, you don't just blow by them because you don't understand what they are. There are rankings of angels. The angels are set up like an army. In the army, there are different rankings. Yes or no? Yes. From, from, from a private all the way up to what? General. General. Okay, good. I was never in the military, so I don't know. But so, so in diff there are different rankings, okay? Now, a private has some authority, but a general has way more authority. Yes or no? Amen. 
Okay. So Paul is teaching us uh, because I believe he had firsthand experience with some of these things. Amen. Amen? Amen. Now, I mentioned this last week. I want to talk about it a little bit more and give you some scriptural evidence for this. That the number of angels that were created in the beginning are still the same number of angels that exist today. They do not reproduce. They don't have little cherub baby angels or not from a mommy and daddy angel. Okay, first of all, I don't really think there are any fat little cute cherub babies. And if we were to see an angel, we would not go, how cute. We'd probably fall flat on our face. Because some of them are mean-looking suckers. Some of them have flaming swords, armor, lightning bolts that shoot wherever they want them. Okay? So that number was fixed. They do not reproduce or they do not die. You can't kill an angel. Okay? Matthew 22. Excuse me. Starting in verse 23. That same day, the Sadducees, you know, the Sadducees were one of the religious parties uh, prevalent at the time when Jesus was on the earth. You had the Sadducees, you had the Pharisees, and you had another group called the Essenes, which that's where John the Baptist came from. These are the three major groups, three major denominations, if you want to put it that way. And so the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. Pharisees believed in angels, resurrection, miracles, all kinds of stuff. The Sadducees were like, when you die, you're done, that's it. And uh, so the Sadducees, uh, you'll see, and um, that's who Jesus had most of the problems with, the Sadducees. If you look at Paul, if you study Paul's life in the book of Acts, it was the Sadducees that hated him. Why? Because what did Paul preach? The resurrection of the dead, the resurrection of Jesus. You know, some of the Pharisees are like, hey, uh, we, don't, you know, we don't see what the problem is with this guy. You know, maybe he has seen an angel. Maybe he has witnessed. Maybe because they believed in the resurrection. So you see the struggle there. So Jesus now is, is having a conversation. These Sadducees are trying to trick him and trap him by asking him this question. So the same day, the Sadducees, who, see the, who say there is no resurrection, came to him with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses told us that if a man dies without having children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for him. Now there were seven brothers among us. The first one married and died, and since he had no children, he left his wife to his brother. The same thing happened to the second and the third brother, right down to the seventh. Finally, the woman died. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be of the seven, since all of them were married to her? Tricky, right? Jesus replied, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven, and this is where people get, they take the scripture, twist it, and this is where that theory comes, well, when a person dies, they become angels. No, he said that at that point, men and women, when we die and we're in heaven, we were in heaven, okay, we do not reproduce anymore. Okay, you got that? That's the only comparison that Jesus is making with the angels. So, the angels, in that sense, they do not reproduce. Um, we do not become angels. You got that? Yes. They're created, we're talking about origin, they're created before the natural world. The book of Job, which the book of Job is the oldest book in the Bible. Say, so, well, no, the book of Genesis. No, no, no. The Bible's not in chronological order. 
okay? The book of Job was the first book that was written. It's very ancient, okay? And in the book of Job, it says here in verse, uh, chapter 38, verse 4, God speaking to Job says, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? In other words, where were you when I put all this thing together? What supports its foundation? Who laid its cornerstone? As, remember we talked about before? That the angels were created first, and then as God was creating, creating everything in the natural, they watched him. You remember that? And it says that they shouted and sang for joy. Well, here's confirmation, because in verse 7 it says, well, let me read it in context. What, what supports his foundations and who laid its cornerstone as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? So we're seeing here that while God was creating, we know it's Jesus because it tells us in the New Testament that nothing was made without him. Everything that was made was made by him. So as Jesus in his pre-incarnate, pre-Bethlehem, uh, you understand know, his part of eternity, as he's creating the angels, you could just see, watch, just picture this. He's creating things. He's speaking the stars into existence. And he's got a whole choir of angels that are singing while he's creating. And they're shouting. And they're rejoicing. And they're giving him glory. Man, we're going to see that when we get to heaven. Amen. Amen. Amen? Now, again, let's get to this part of ministering spirits. Minister. Say the word minister. minister. Now, in our culture... When you use the word minister, you think about somebody that stands up behind a pulpit and that's teaching, addressing individuals. But in the original language, a minister was a servant. The same word that we now use for minister was the same word for somebody to clean the toilet, for somebody to mop the floors, for somebody to set up chairs. It's the same word, okay? So the, so the early church had a greater understanding of the role of angels in their lives. You don't see the early church running after angels. You don't see a big emphasis on angels. You don't see that until about three or 400 years later as they got away from the word of God and got more into superstition, okay? So the Bible tells us that angels are serving spirits. They are created especially. Now look at how much God loved us. Before we were even created, as a species, he created the servants that were going to serve us. He didn't wait till we were around and go, yeah, I need some help with this crowd. <laughs> They're overwhelming me. They're messy. They're messing up the planet. Let me create a species. No, he created them before Amen. we even showed up here. Amen? Amen? So, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 13. I'm going to read to you from the New Living Translation. And God never said to any of the angels, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. Therefore, angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. Who are the ones who inherit salvation? We are. So then these angels are on assignment for you on your behalf. Okay? So which is way more than a guardian angel. We think of guardian angels like a paparazzi. They just follow us around and they take pictures, report to heaven. No, they're on assignment in our lives. Okay? When we get to heaven, we're going to find out some of the things that we were not even aware of that were trying to come at us on this planet. And an angel stepped in the way. An angel intervened. An angel 
stop that from happening. Yes. Amen? Yes. So they're, they're here to serve us. All right? And I, I want to keep emphasizing this because not that we would disrespect them, but we have this tendency to put them in a position where God never meant for them to be. So God has in the past used angels to accomplish a number of tasks. They were involved in delivering revelation of the word. Uh, God has sent angels to protect his people. They have also been used by God both to free captured men and to strengthen men in their service of God. You think about Gideon, okay? When God had, has had to judge sin, often he has sent an angel to execute his judgment. You remember when, when God came down and visited Abraham and there were two angels with him. God stays behind with Abraham. The two angels go on to Sodom and Gomorrah to bring, to, first of all, to rescue Lot out and to destroy that city. Amen? Amen. Got two angels. <laughs> two angels. Not 20 million. Two angels. And he sent them to rescue the righteous out of that city before it was destroyed. Amen. In fact, the angel said, I can't do a thing until you get far enough away from this. If God sent two angels to go rescue Lot before destruction came, do you think he's going to leave us here on this planet before destruction comes? No. No, we're out of here. We're out of here. All right. So, where was I? Free captured men, strengthened them. When God has to judge sin, he sent an angel or angels to do it. Powerful. Their angels are powerful. Okay? Angels were created by God to exert great power in situations requiring supernatural assistance. Let's go to the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 36. I love this story. Not because of how it ends up, but it's just it's so cool. In the 14th year of, the, of King Hezekiah's reign, King Sennacherib of Assyria. Now, King Hezekiah is, 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 is a good guy. He's, he's with the people of God. King Sennacherib is an enemy of the kingdom of God. Okay? King Hezekiah is king over Judah. The, it, with, his throne is in Jerusalem. Okay? So, in the 14th year of King Hezekiah's reign, King Sennacherib of Assyria came to attack the fortified, the fortified towns of Judah and conquered them. So he conquered the outlying cities. Then the king of Syria sent his chief of staff from Lachish with a huge army to confront King Hezekiah in Jerusalem. So finally, the army of Assyria arrives in Jerusalem, I'm paraphrasing now, and surrounds Jerusalem for many days. And when messengers of the king of Assyria delivered a letter to King Hezekiah of Judah, telling him all hope was lost, Demanding he surrender Jerusalem, the king took the letter and went to the temple and spread it out before the Lord and prayed. And God answered his prayer through the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 37, chapter 37, verse 33. This is what Isaiah received from the Holy Spirit to speak to not only King Hezekiah, but to the people of Jerusalem. And this is what the Lord says about the king of Assyria. His armies will not enter Jerusalem. They will not even shoot an arrow at it. 
They will not march outside its gates with their shields, nor build banks of earth against the walls. In other words, they won't put a siege wall up against the city. Verse 34, the king, talking about Sennacherib, will return to his own country by the same road on which he came. He will not enter the city, says the Lord. For my own honor and for the sake of my servant David, I will defend this city and protect it. Then the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. And when the people arose early in the morning, there were corpses all dead. One angel. You know which angel this one is? Because it says the angel of the Lord, not an angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord. You know who it is? Jesus. Jesus. Oh, Jesus would never do that. Yeah, because you're thinking of the Jesus that walked around with his little flowing gown on. But John, the apostle, who spent so much time with Jesus when Jesus was on the earth, when he saw Jesus on the Isle of Patmos, face-planted. His majesty was terrifying. That's the Jesus that showed up that night. Jesus would never do Oh, yeah? The Bible tells us that when he shows up, with one word out of his mouth, he's going to destroy the Antichrist. Destroy the armies of the Antichrist. One word. We don't talk about this Jesus a lot. We need to, because this, this is the one who goes before us. This is the one who wins the battles for us. This is the one who's victorious, who brings us victory constantly. This is the one who made us more than conquerors because he loved us. This is the one who always leads us into triumph. And this is the one that you should be focusing on when stuff is going on in your life and you're wondering what the heck is going on. Say, <laughs> This Jesus, Amen. the mighty warrior, Amen. the captain of the armies of heaven. Amen. I remember Brother Kenneth Hagin when we were in his class one day. He said that on one occasion when, when Jesus had appeared to him, he said he saw the lightning and saw the fire in his eyes. He says the most terrifying thing, the most terrifying thing you've ever seen. To see that fire. We like the little Jesus with the lamb on his shoulder. But remember, he was only in that form for those three and a half years. In eternity past, he's majesty. In eternity future, he's majesty. Amen? Amen. So, Matthew 28. Verse 1, now after the Sabbath on the first day of the week began to dawn, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. Now we're going to find out what caused the earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. How many angels? He sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow and the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. One angel. One angel. If God, now listen, if God created these powerful beings and placed them at our disposal, 
Why do we fear? Amen. Why do we fear? Why do we, why, do we, why do we get nervous? Why do we get apprehensive? Why do we have anxiety? Because you get in trouble, you find yourself in danger. Either God himself is going is to come to your aid, or he's going to send an angel. Maybe now this scripture means a little bit more. Listen to this. Again, Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, come on, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? You think he's going to let the devil take you out? After he let his son die a horrible death and shed his blood, to purchase you? You think he's going to stand back down and let the devil just ravage you? No, no, it's not going to happen. So, well, some people could say, well, Pastor, we know the angels are active back then, but how does that help us today? Well, listen, let's go a little bit deeper here in the Old Testament. The prophet Zechariah, who has a lot to say about the coming of the second coming of the Messiah, foretold that in the end times, God will defend Israel and send his angels to fight for and with not only to fight for and with his angels. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 8. In that day, what day is that, Pastor? It hasn't come yet, but it's coming. Amen. It's probably right around the corner. Amen. In that day, the Lord shall defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And he that is feeble among them at that day shall be as David. Whew. And the house of David shall be as God and the angel of the Lord before them. What's he saying? There's going to come a time when angels are going to come and strengthen and come alongside the inhabitants of Israel, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and not only defend them, but fight with them. And it will be a witness to those who don't know God, who do not know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Let me tell you a couple of stories as we wrap this up. There's a story that's told, and I've, and I, and I've read this from a couple of different sources. Back in the early 1900s, before Israel was a nation, there was this a tiny Jewish community called Peklin. And it was under siege by the Arabs who were determined to wipe them out. However, when they encountered these huge, strange beings with flaming swords, they ran away in great fear as the astonished valley, uh, excuse me, as the astonished village rabbi watched them. They came to destroy this village. Angels, not with harps, not with trumpets, but with flaming swords showed up. And when they saw those angels with the flaming swords, they ran. Amen? Yeah. Here's another one. 1958, Gershon Solomon was part of the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force. He led a company of soldiers in the Golan Heights. You know where the Golan Heights are? Northern Israel, and, and on the other side of the Golan Heights is Syria. Lebanon's over here, Syria's over here, Golan Heights, Israel. Most of the water that comes into Israel comes from the Golan Heights. That's why it's always fought over. In 1958, it was a battle with the Syrian army. Mr. Salomon was injured accidentally when in the heat and confusion of battle, he was run over by a tank. Syrian soldiers were trained to shoot again any wounded Israeli soldier. In other words, don't take them alive, shoot them on the spot. Later, well, excuse me, when these 
soldiers were about to shoot Mr. Solomon again, they all suddenly ran away. God bless you. Later, these Syrian soldiers reported to UN officers that they had seen thousands of angels around this IDF officer and had therefore fled. Go read for yourself. You could find these things on the internet. An Israeli military historian recorded that during 1973, Yom Kippur. Now, I was a kid then, but I remember this. I remember when Israel was, was attacked viciously on Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the year. An Israeli soldier in the Sinai, now we're talking about in Egypt now, because in Yom Kippur, they attacked from Syria, from Jordan, and from Egypt, okay? And I think there was also some Saudi Arabians. No, I'm sorry, Iraqis involved. And the Egyptian commander, excuse me, let me get back to this here. An Israeli soldier in the Sinai Desert took captive an entire Egyptian column and led them to where the Israeli, Israeli troops were. The Egyptian commander was asked why he and his men gave themselves up to a lone Israeli soldier. He responded with surprise, one soldier. There were thousands of them. He said that as he neared the Israeli lines, the soldiers began disappearing. And the Israeli soldier reported that by the time he got to where the Israelis were, he was by himself when the Egyptian commander and his men surrendered the entire column. He was totally unaware that the thousands of soldiers that he saw were <coughs> angels. Amen. There's, another, there's another incident. I didn't, I didn't want to put too many, but I'll tell you anyway. Uh, on the Golan Heights, I believe in, this, in the same war, 1973, one Israeli tank was guarding the Golan Heights. An entire column of tanks is coming up the other side. They stop. They come out of the tanks and surrender themselves, yelling, pointing to the sky, yelling, Father Abraham, Father Abraham. They saw Abraham. Now, they're Muslims, but Muslims believe in Abraham. Remember, through Ishmael. Amen? God will do whatever he's got to do. Psalm 91, I'll remind you of this, and then we'll be done. I'll take some questions if you want. Psalm 91, verse 10, promises that no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. Now, now somebody might say, somebody might say, I might as well finish this off. Somebody might say, why Israel? Why does Israel have so much angelic intervention? Why? What's special about them? Well, Daniel chapter 12 is talking about the day that we're living in right now. Verse 1, at that time, Michael, who is what? A what? An archangel. He's one of the top. One of the top ones. At that time, Michael, which that Michael, Mikael, means one who is like God. Okay? At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. Who is Daniel's people? The Israelites, the Jews. Okay? And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. We're in that time where Israel is a nation now, has been since 1948. Okay, God is fulfilling this promise through the prophet Daniel that in these last days, 
that he would, that Michael himself and all the angels under him would be watching out and protecting Israel. Michael, the archangel, will be very active during the tribulation. Those are the days that are coming up ahead. If you don't know what that means, we'll talk about it later or some other time. Amen? Amen. Questions? We've got 10 minutes. Questions? Yes, sir. Um, the reference of Jesus to an angel, like I call him an angel. Well, what's the original word? What's the original word for angel? We say angel, but the original word is messenger, servant. Jesus is referred to in the Old Testament as a servant of God. Now, remember, this is before he appears in Bethlehem, before he's born into flesh and blood and bone body. You see? Go read the book of Judges, chapter 6. It's him talking to Gideon. Now, the reason why I'll tell you this is because in the book of Judges, when it, when it refers to the story of Gideon, that angel receives Gideon's worship, which tells us it's not a normal angel. Because no angel would dare receive worship. That angel receives worship. When, when Joshua crosses over and is going to attack Jericho, he's out praying, walking, and he sees a figure in the distance. And he stops and says, who are you? Are you with us or are you against us? And as soon as that being opens his mouth to speak, Joshua falls flat on his face because he recognizes this. He recognizes the voice. Why? This is the voice of the one who spoke to Moses in the tabernacle. Yet he appeared in the form of an angel, a soldier. Okay? You got that? Anybody else? Are we going home early tonight? Any other questions? Please don't think any question is like inappropriate or dumb or anything like that. It's whatever. We're good? Praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up. If not, God bless you. I hope this uh, series has enlightened you. Uh, I hope you'll correct some of the things that maybe you found that you might have been entertaining inaccurately. Amen? Amen. God bless you.